0: Every year during the Christmas season, we spend time and money on Christmas gifts. But did you know that the greatest and most extravagant gift was given to us by God? That gift is His Son. In our four-week series, Extravagance, we focus on great gifts God has promised us through Jesus Christ. Listen in as today's teaching pastor, Ron King, shares with us what real extravagance truly looks like. Merry Christmas to you. So good to have you with us. I hope you can be with us Christmas Eve. Whichever service you might choose, we're going to have a really excellent time together. And um, so we get to get into God's Word, which is great for us. And uh, before we hop in there, I just wanted to tell you that uh, we have a gift for you. I've been thinking about this, and the church leadership, we have this, you know, passion for you to be able to grow in your walk with Jesus and to be challenged and encouraged and nurtured. Um, we have this library here for that purpose, one of those purposes. And I don't know if you've ever visited it, but we actually have a library. It's this little hole in the wall right through those doors. And some of our people have been really faithful to serve in that. And, but we know it's a little crammed little space and we have, you know, limited resources. And so we thought, and besides, not all of you are library people. But you all have phones and you all have laptops and PCs and tablets and stuff. And so what would it look like if we were able to get you resources to grow in your walk with Christ, you know, right there for you to use anytime you wanted to. And so we'd like to give you this gift. It's um, in connection with Right Now Media. Right Now Media has a website with thousands, literally thousands of resources for you for your family, for your marriage, for your walk in Christ, for your capacity to grow as a leader and as a follower of Jesus, all kinds of things. Um, it's kind of like a Christian Netflix. So if you go on to it, um, if your family wants to just catch some veggie vid- tales or family friendly videos, they're on there and you can catch that. If you'd like to catch some stuff that will challenge you with financial peace stuff and encourage your stewardship or Your marriage or your relationships, there's material that, um, their Bible study stuff, some great, fantastic teachers that are on there on that site. And we'd like to give you that um, membership as a gift, as just something to say thank you for your partnership in this ministry that we're part of together at Bridges. So um, starting Christmas, hopefully Christmas Day and afterwards, you can connect to that site for free. And here's how you do it: You just go to Right Now Media, and then you enter your own um, your own email address, if you have given us your email address. So they'll have it; it'll be in private. It's not going to be shared with any other corporation or any of that stuff. But they'll have it as kind of your entry key to get onto the site and then to make use of all those resources that are on Right Now Media. If you have not given church yet your email address, then you won't be able to get on. So you can do that. Simply by, if you haven't done it yet, by putting it on the card and putting in the offering. We have some explanation of that that's right there in your bulletin that we handed out. A little card that describes right now media. We'll give you more information as time goes on. But we want just to say to you how honored we are to be your partners in ministry. And how passionate we are as a leadership to, um, to see you grow. Grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. So it's a great online opportunity for you to grow, and you'll be able to use it, access it anytime you want. And it has just a host of different resources for you. So um, Merry Christmas. Now we get into God's Word. uh, If you turn your Bible open, there's two different texts that we're going to be using this morning. The first is found in Isaiah chapter 9. It's the text that Pastor Harry read. Uh, Familiar text to some of you who are old Old Testament readers and scholars. And the second text is found in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So Isaiah 9 and Luke chapter 2. Now, it's no surprise to you that we live this day in a day of discord. A day where people wrestle and struggle in relationship and with themselves and with God. And it manifests itself in so many ways. My, um, man, my heart was just touched once again. Seeing the devastation in Pakistan at that school. You might have heard the news of, all those children slaughtered again. And um, in my lifetime, which is a long time now, in the lifetime of my parents and grandparents and great grandparents, the world, this world, has never had a year of peace. There's always been conflict. In fact, throughout the course of humankind, that's, that's been one of those things that has been with us. There's always been discord. And even in 49er land, there's discord. Oh, my goodness. Are you, are you kidding me? A successful franchise has been so great the last few years, and, and now they can't they just get along? Man, it's, it's a struggle. And of course, I'm a little thankful, and so is Paul. My good friend Paul is thankful for that because he's a Raider fan, and I'm a Charger fan, so it's all good. But, but conflict, it's hard to watch when your team goes through this. And of course, it's not just there. I was, I was with a group of friends, and we were talking about, hey, what are the, the things that we've seen where we've struggled to to have peace? And we, were, um, and we went around the room and just kind of were talking about it, and it's our families at times. Now, maybe it's not, maybe you have the perfect family, but um, there are times in my family where there's conflict, where, you know, our kids, we're wrestling with how to best encourage our kids and discipline our kids. And they at times have different opinions than Sue and I do. That's surprising, isn't it? And, and there can be moments where your family does not have peace. We have struggled with this, and yet inside of each one of us, there is this longing. It's wired in us by the Lord God for us to experience peace. And yet all the stuff around us, how we, just, we don't experience that we, we wrestle with, with this discord and disagreement, the lack of peace in our lives. Yet at the very center of this story, the story of Emmanuel, God with us, the, the giving of God's son, is this great theme of peace. The Bible says, not as the world gives, or the world defines it, but peace I give to you. That's really, really good. My peace for relationship with the Father God. My peace for relationship with all those relationships that are broken in your life and remain in struggle. My peace for your finances, which you grapple with. My, my peace for this internal longing of one day, oh God, one day. And yet it's not this day. I don't feel it this day. Let me ask a question. Why do you think peace is so elusive, so slippery, so tough to grab a hold of in our lives? Take a moment, if you would. Interactive time in the sermon. I know you some of you just hate this when I do this, so I do it. <laughs> um, would you take a moment and just share that with someone around you? Maybe someone you don't even know that well, but why do you think peace is elusive? Go for it, okay? Go for it, talk, speak, turn around even to someone you might not even know that great and introduce yourself and say, hey, this is, this is why I think peace is elusive. Good. I know some of you are quiet. You don't like to do this. Well, there's a list of reasons. We're going to get at the central reason, but there's a list of reasons why peace is elusive for myself and for Pete uh, that just walked in. I just pointed at you. (laughs) You try to slip in, I know. Now he's in conflict with me, and we're going to have to work that out afterwards. Um, Part of the problem is my first response to the issue of conflict which can be to evade personal responsibility. I can blame others or blame my circumstances, the things where I feel like I'm on a spin cycle of discord in my life. I can deny that actually I have issues or there are issues spinning around me, or I can try to ignore it, be like the little kids that go, la, 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 when they hear their parent telling them something to do. Your kid never did that? And... um, but never actually address the core issue of peace. There's another thing that I can do, and that is that I can can have this assumption inside myself that I can actually provide peace, that it can come from me and from my capacity, my ability to work things out, to to be able to control circumstances or control the people around me, and so that I can bring peace. So we need to get at those two things first. First. There is a fundamental issue that each one of us have. The Bible is very clear about this. And the fundamental issue, Fred just said it when he was talking, it was his brokenness. The Bible describes it as sin, his enmity, his conflict with God. That's the key fundamental issue why I do not experience peace because it affects everything else. It affects how I address my finances, how I address my relationships. It affects my hope. It affects everything. That's core and, and key to me. And in my sinfulness, I can think that I can do it, I can provide it. And scripture, throughout the very beginning, all the way through, is very clear that you cannot, but that God does. Think about the scene in Luke chapter 2 where the heavenly host is blowing the doors off those shepherds. The shepherds minding their business in their flocks and the heavenly hosts proclaiming glory to God in the highest and yeah, and our peace on those whom God's favor rests. His favor is intended to rest on you and your life. And the expression of that is peace see those heavenly hosts they saw it they saw all the conflict in the world and all the conflict in me and they were excited because they knew that this was a gift for me of peace i have wrestled seasons in my life with my relationship with god I've struggled with issues of doubt. Does he exist? Is he actually there for me? I've wrestled against his word, feeling as if I don't want to obey that and, and grappled with it. I've wrestled with intimacy issues I have with, with God himself and not found peace. I have wrestled with relationships and there's been brokenness, both the part of other people as they spilled their brokenness and sin on me, and as my selfishness impacted other relationships and damaged them. Nothing I could do about it, really, apart from the work of God. I have wrestled with my finances, struggling because my priorities had no alignment with God's priorities, and there were times where we didn't have very much, and And I I question whether God would provide. All this is part of my sin, my struggle, my brokenness before the Lord God. And, And there was no peace in those moments. And I've struggled with my expectations. There is a part deep within my spirit that even when I trust God fully and he blesses me with this peace, still is an unmet longing for peace. And that's because one day God is going to fulfill that. He's going to bring that peace. So so what would peace really be like? The peace of God, why did he actually come? And does it really make a hell of beans a difference for me this morning that God came bringing Peace. Well, I said it, that at the very center of the Christmas story is soul-deep peace. A peace given for me. Not as the world gives it or defines it. Not um, a peace that is the absence of periodic conflict, because there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be challenges. But right now, deep down in the interior of who I am, that God would bring his peace his health to my relationships. And that happens as I trust, I enter into fully trusting him. The ancient Hebrews had a remedy when they were in conflict. You know what it was? They would take a family vacation. That doesn't sound like peace to some of us. <laughs> some of you are going to take some uh, travel time this week and experience perhaps a lack of peace in the car. So they would take this family vacation, and they would go down to Jerusalem to the temple. And they would would obey Leviticus chapter 4. When they found a lack of peace in their life, they would come, and they would offer what was called a peace offering to God. It was a sacrifice. It was an animal that was killed. And as Leviticus describes it, it was a peace offering as an, an atonement. That's a theological word. It's a biblical word that speaks of the shedding of blood for forgiveness and rightness in relationship with myself and God. And God was painting this really graphic imagery that a life would be required for me to experience peace in my life. Now, for those ancient Hebrews, that was just temporary. It was a covering over. And it was a word picture, a a visual picture for them to understand, wow, that's crazy. What's going on with this? But in the future, God was pointing them to a future where he would send his own son to be the peace that we would have an experience with God because he would make Paul's relationship and my relationship, your relationship, right with himself. Because Pradeep could count on what God has done in his life to bring peace to him. In his sin, God would pay the price for his peace, for my peace. Now, some of you know that this is a fundamental part of the good news that we share, and that's at the heart of the Christmas story, that Jesus would come as the the peace offering that we would enjoy, that this is the cost of real peace. It costs life. When uh, Veterans Day comes, we celebrate the veterans here. There are many of you that I highly esteem. They have put their life on the line so that we might experience in our nation security and peace. We don't know how good we have it. So many other places in the world are filled with the threat, the daily threat of violence in their lives. And we thank you who are veterans. But... The greatest sacrifice by far and away is that God would give his very own son for your sake, that you would experience the peace of God in its fullness right now. In your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in the things that matter the very most to you, you wouldn't live in discourse and discord and in chaos, but you would be able to experience God's rest, God's care. You could trust in him. So this is the God who came and that Isaiah speaks of in Isaiah 9. You looked at the text. Harry read it before. I want to underscore a couple of things in the text that are important for us to know. Those Jews that Isaiah is speaking to that were caught in darkness, the darkness of discord and the darkness of one oppressor after another, sending them into exile and the lack of any peace in their daily lives for them to know, the Lord God had a peace plan for. I'm sure that in the next couple of years, we'll hear of another peace plan for the Middle East. I've heard them virtually every year of my life that I can remember. They don't work, do they? I mean, it's good that we're making efforts, but there's a peace plan that God has had for your life from the very beginning, and it's found right here. Isaiah 9 described it to those people that were in the thick of conflict and struggle, the lack of peace. And it had nothing to do with building up karma, doing one more good thing so that I could experience God's favor. It had all to do with God giving this as a gift that I would receive. Let me just underscore in this wonderful text in Isaiah 9 one of the things That leaps out from the text. It says this, starting in verse 6, a familiar text to some of you because it's part of the Christmas songs and the Christmas um, message. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. Hundreds of years before, 700 years plus before The Son, Jesus, came to earth. Isaiah is speaking it out as a prophecy. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Listen to the names of God. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of those names of God himself, this little one, Jesus, the child that would come, address the peace issues in my life. He is a wonderful counselor. I get counsel from all kinds of areas of my life, people telling me what to do. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But the Lord God, Jesus in the flesh, is a wonderful counselor to you. You have places where you wrestle and grapple with peace in your life because you are not intimate and listening to the counsel of God. And yet God in his very word speaks out to you and to me about the issues of my broken relationship with God, about the issues that that divide me from other people that wound me, about the issues of my finances and, and how I live my life, the priorities of my life. God speaks out to these so that I would know. He's a wonderful counselor, and he's a mighty God. He is sovereign and in control. Not me. I try to control the little issues in my life and to try to bring resolution. And and I can't. I am helpless to do that. But God loves to. He loves to be the mighty God, the one who is reigning and ruling in me and in you. That's how peace comes. And he is the everlasting father. He, for all time, beginning now, eternally into the future, He is your father. Now, for some of you, that stirs up all kinds of issues of conflict because you have unresolved issues with your dad. He's not a father like that. Amen to that. He is a father who loves you and cares for you and has your best in mind and would lay down his life for you. In fact, he has. So he is the everlasting father bringing peace, and he is the prince of it. He is the king, the ruler of peace for us. That's why Isaiah is writing this with such great hope in the middle of days of darkness for these people to understand about the names of God and how, how that connects with my issues of loss of peace. See, God, the one who is peace, stepped in, and he paid the price for our Sin. He is the fulfillment of that issue. That was the words of consolation that people hoped for, but many people had forgotten and lost. And um, it got mixed in the noise of one more oppressor, one more issue around in their lives of the lack of peace and of conflict, and both on a personal place and their separation with God and, and in the national scene that Israel struggled with. Then came peace in the flesh. Luke chapter 2 tells the story of the coming of Jesus and the angels celebrating this. And eight days later, as was their custom, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to be blessed, prayed over in the temple, and dedicated And for circumcision to happen. And if you want details about that, you can talk to uh, or hook on to Harry's Facebook page with some humorous things there. So they brought Jesus to this, and Luke chapter 2 records it this way. Turn to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Into that scene was a man actually who had been faithful to wait for the consolation, for hope, for peace in his life. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous. That is, he had peace in his relationship with God. He was right with God because he had placed his faith in the Lord God. We know that because Scripture teaches us that the righteous shall live by faith. That's how a person has relationship with God. They trust him. She trusts him. She places her faith in him. And that's what Simeon did. And devout. That is, he took his faith seriously. He he obeyed the Lord and he sought the Lord. It's not saying he's perfect. It's saying that, that he trusted the Lord and followed him. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the fulfillment of Isaiah 9 and other promises that spoke of the Messiah to come who would bring peace. So That's the scene, this man waiting, longing for it, waiting upon God. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That is, God was with him in a unique way. And it had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit. That is, he was walking with the Lord, and he went into the temple to do his job, Simeon did. And when the parents, that is Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, for him to be dedicated and circumcised and given over to the Lord, he took him up in his arms. He took the baby Jesus in his arms. And he blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Finally, I've experienced the peace of God in the flesh, and it's right here in my arms. This is it. According to your word, according to all those promises that I've studied and counted on. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people, all the people of the world, God came in the flesh. He made himself known in human history so that everyone would know it and be without excuse and would know truly the love of God and the gift of peace for us. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, So that people wrestling with absence of peace in their life and not in relationship with God, who were not Jews, that they would have their eyes open and it would be revealed to them that God loved them and cared for them and would gift them with relationship with himself and would save them from their sinfulness, their brokenness, the things that create discord in our lives. And for glory, To your people, Israel, people would actually step back from their own selfish ways. People who had this sense of entitlement that they were special in God's eyes and they would see the glory of God and the way of salvation for them that was found through this baby Jesus and they would embrace it. That's the purpose of God. He discovers that he's holding this peace in his arms and he's just speaking out this blessing that he has discovered it, that he knew it personally. It's a remarkable moment in this man's life. I just want to underscore a couple of things. There's a lot to say about Simeon. And, but really, the, the point of the passage is that in his arms, he held the fulfillment of all this word that had been given, that we, men and women, all people, all time, could really truly experience real, soul-deep peace. We had a... Um, Christmas party at our house this week, and it was really funny. Um, So we invited our neighbors to come over, and uh, Sue made all kinds of great food. And our neighbors actually come not because of me. They come because they love my wife. And so um, my son is at the window, and it's 7 o'clock, and he's wondering. He's like, what if no one comes? (laughs) I'm like, well, then we'll have a lot of food, and it's going to be really good. And, uh, but there was a sense, you know, or what if our, neighbor, our neighbors, no one shows up. But we had nine families come over. We had a great time with them. And they're bringing over gifts, you know, because our our neighbor is very gracious. And they, they brought us some gifts. We had those food out for them and stuff for them. But they brought us gifts. And some of them know us. And so they, they weren't bringing bottles of, you know, hard liquor or whatever. But one of our neighbors brought this. It's a little snowman that actually lights up. You can't really see it very well. I try this different colors, and, and um, I thought, that's going to be a cool white elephant for next year. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Um, and uh, on it, you can't really see it, but it says, Peace. And I thought, what does a lighted snowman have to do with peace? But it does speak of the longing of people, doesn't it? You see it on people's front yard. They have lights that say peace. They, they talk about it. We sing about it in the Christmas carols but do people really know it? Like Simeon? If people look at your life, look at you as a follower of Jesus and say, oh man, there's something different about Keith. Yeah, there's something different about Eva. There's something different about you. Because the family members that you see this week um, who are struggling with conflict in their lives, they need to experience this in your life. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which surpasses according to scripture, all understanding. So how does that happen? Well, the peace comes through Jesus. And the nearer I draw to Jesus, the greater my peace will be. That's a spiritual principle that's inescapable. When I'm distancing myself from God, when I'm wrestling and grappling with his command and his call in my life, when I'm wrestling with how that plays out in my finances and in my marriage, my priorities, and maybe my singleness, whatever it might be, when I'm grappling with those things and I'm, I'm walking away from the Lord, chaos will reign. Discord will be natural. And when I draw close to the Lord, when I draw intimate with him, when I come before him humbly, Say, oh, Lord, come in repentance before him for my sin, for my brokenness, for my struggle, and seek him. When I draw near to him, Scripture says he draws near to me, and there is where I experience the peace of God, and where my family experiences the peace of God in me, and where my finances, where all the areas of my brokenness experience peace. Because he is our peace, men and women. You can't provide it. You can't do it. You will not accomplish it. That's a bad peace plan. The peace plan of God is to come and bring his son, his only son, to the earth in the flesh to give himself for us so that we might have peace. So that those repaired relationships could proclaim his glory relationship first and foremost with him. And yet scripture says in John chapter 1, he came into his own to provide this. And his own did not receive it. They didn't receive it. That's a huge issue. Perhaps you came this morning and the peace of God you don't really get. You haven't understood it. You're still striving to get some peace in your relationships in your life and the other things that are creating disharmony and discord, but you've never experienced really, truly the peace of God. I'm here to tell you, you can you can receive it. You can't produce it because God has brought it and offers it freely to you. That if you just turn to him and humbly repent before him, turn a 180 and say, God, release me of my shame and my guilt, my sin, my brokenness. Repair all the areas that are in conflict in my life, and I want to receive your peace, Lord. Bring it. He will. Because Jesus has already been the peace offering for you. He's already paid the price of your discord. He offers it to you. Now, you can receive the gift or you cannot John is brokenhearted, I think, when he writes those words in John 1, that his own people, they didn't receive it. They thought they could do another thing to earn the favor of God and, and to create peace by themselves, but you cannot. It starts with the Lord God and his peace. And there's another issue that's there. Even for those who have come to that place, perhaps you and your soul have wrestled with this. I know. As I look out, I know some of us, Greg and I, still struggle with this. I know, Sue, it's a part of our journey, a Keith, part of our journey, isn't it? That inside of us, though the exteriors, God may be producing peace, there's still a part in my soul that longs, It has a longing, that hasn't fully yet experienced this. You know what I'm talking about, Titus? That, that there's still this place. And that's because the book ends, Revelation, with this heartfelt cry, Oh, Lord. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, because God came once to offer us peace. And yet in my soul, I long for what the full revelation of Isaiah, full fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9 will be, that one day he will reign and rule for all time as the Prince of Peace, and the government will be on his shoulders, not on the shoulders of our Senate and our president. Praise God for that. They try their very best but they will never produce true peace. But into eternity, those people who receive the peace of God will enjoy this for all time. Truly the the peace and the intimacy that his presence will bring. We have this great hope as believers. So what do I do about that? First, this peace is intended for every person here, for all people. I love how Simeon says it. It's for Gentiles, those people who are apart from me that I don't even like. And and it's for us Jews. It's for all people. This salvation that I hold in my arms, the peace of Jesus. It's for everyone, for us to receive it. And God's peace, it's not this absence of conflict, but it's the healed heart before God. It's your heart being healed. First before all other things. It's you being right before God. And so the people, your friends, people you go to school with or you're in business with, they can receive the peace of God from you. So i um, sharing with a group of my friends. We're just praying for each other. And one of my friends, who was part of the church family here, good encouragement to me, was praying about a person at her work who was... In conflict, just living a life outside of the peace of God and dumping that lack of peace on her head every day at work. So she would, you know, put the earbuds in and try to you know, be distracted by Christian music and do her work, and, but, you know, every day, and she's like, oh, can you just pray for this? So we were praying for that. Got this email back from her, and um, surprisingly... The God of peace has been at work. The person came to her and was just, um, she, they had a prayer request. There was another issue in her life that kind of prompted this woman to return and to ask for this friend that she knew who she knows this person is following the Lord to pray and sought some healing in this relationship that she had been damaging with her own brokenness. And um, this friend of mine said, yeah, we can start fresh just trying to be the peace of God at work. God's peace is like that. When we pray for it, we receive it from him. One of my great prayers this week is that when you go home or your family comes into your life or friends that you haven't seen for a while, you'll be able to be the peace of God for them. They will see it and long for it and ask you about it. That you will experience and receive this great Generous and extravagant gift of peace to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace given for you, not as the world gives, but peace to experience for your relationships first and foremost with God himself. And then with the broken relationships that we all experience in our lives and and with your priorities, the way you invest, the way you give, that all those things would find healing and peace because what God has done for you paying the price already for your peace. So stop and receive it. Don't try to work for it. Receive the peace of God given through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pray with you and for you if I might. We sing glory to God in the highest who has and is our peace, who has given us this great gift of your son. Father, I pray that just humbly we would receive this wonderful gift from you. For those who came, who have never done this, who have never sought you out and prayed for you, I know that you have placed things in our life to bring them to this moment. Can I speak to you? just If that describes you, you came this morning and you do not yet know him. have not experienced the peace of God. Would you just humble yourself before God? He hears you. He knows your soul. Speak it out to him. Lord, I need you. I thank you for loving me, for coming, for dying for me, making a way that I might experience peace. Would you heal our broken relationship? May I, and and please, I just receive you and your grace. Just speak that out to him right now. For those of you experiencing brokenness in your relationships or in your finance, your marriage, your friendships, would you just pray out humbly before God, God, please forgive me of my sin in these relationships. Lord, help me to be a forgiver as you have been to me and bring your peace into my life that I might shine for you this week. for all of us seeking to influence others for the sake of Jesus and his name this week with family and friends, would you just pray that God's peace would rule and reign in you so that you might be a living demonstration of the power of his son. Just just ask that of him because he loves to give generously. These things in the name of our peace, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.